Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. Glory to you, Lord. Praise your name. So, God knows timing. He knows the timing of everything. So, this, what, what the Lord's put on my heart for this morning was what originally he put on my heart for New Year's Day. And, but uh, he wanted to develop it in me more. So, you're getting the full version this morning. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he knows timing. He knows timing because um, what God put on my heart has, it so fits in line with what Jacob Walda was preaching and encouraging us in and teaching us in on, on Thursday night and Friday morning. And, and I just, I just as, I, as, as Jacob was preaching and teaching us and, and encouraging us, I just, I just saw um, how it just, what God had put on my heart way back in December had just fell in line completely with what, uh, what he had to say. So I'm just, I'm, as you can tell, I'm excited this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So God wants for you today that by the end of the service today, that you're going to feel empowered to share the gospel, to share your life in him with other people. He wants to encourage you and empower you. And you're like, okay, well, I'm feeling empowered already. I was listening to Jacob and, and uh, that was great. And so what God's put in my heart is a slightly different, different part of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's our expectation this morning yes. to be empowered by the end of service. Amen. Including myself, every single one of us here. Yeah. I want to be empowered to go out and share the gospel. Yeah. Um, Doreen was sharing with us uh, an encounter she got to share the gospel yesterday, Friday. Friday. Um, and uh, it was just so encouraging uh, how she got to share the gospel and, and she got to bless somebody and, and pay for their, their stuff at the store she was at and got to share Jesus with them and then share Jesus with another person that, that came up to her and said, man, that was just so awesome what you did. I used to do that in my life. And she encouraged him that, you know, he, you can continue to do that and start doing it right now. Amen. We want to be empowered to do that, yeah. right? We are his hands and his feet on this earth. We are here to fulfill his purpose for this world. Amen. Amen. So we need to be empowered. It is when things like that happen, it's not us. It's us being used by him. Us allowing him to work through us for that power that is, that is inside of us to come up and out and speak his gospel and share his gospel and share his love. Amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, hallelujah. We all have needs, right? Yeah. Every single one of us have needs. So I have a couple examples of this just to sh show some things for you. So um, the other day, um, 
I was getting all of the bins for all of the Christmas stuff out from underneath the house. And so I'd pull them all out from underneath the house and they're all sitting in the garage. And I go and I put the cover back over our, the, it's kind of like a pit almost, isn't it? <laughs> that, uh, um, that uh, so we can walk up the stairs and into the house. And I go to open up and prop open the door so that I can just bring the bins in. I'm not having to constantly open and close the door. And so I go and, and I'm looking for the door stops that we have. We have the exact same door stops that you see, that little green thing like in the server room where our two fridges are. We have two of them, so it fits underneath our door. And I couldn't find them anywhere. So I needed something in that moment. I needed those door stops to make it easier for me to get in and out of the house and bring all the bins in the house. I needed wisdom to know where those door stops were because usually they're like right there, like right in front of the, the bins that we have for all of our scarves and, and everything like that and the shoe rack. And they're somewhere usually right around there and they're usually sitting right together. And, but I couldn't find them anywhere. So um, a little background story to show you how I came about figuring out where they are. Hmm, a couple of months ago, no, probably six or seven months ago, um, one of my, I have... Um, one of our laundry bins is for fuzzy whites and fuzzy darks, okay? <laughs> fuzzy whites and fuzzy darks and because they can go on the same setting in the washing machine, right? But you separate the whites from the darks, right? And you put the whites in. So this is uh, six months ago. So I had, I had separated the whites and put the darks on the floor and got all the whites into the wash and got that going. And then what I do is I pick up the darks and I put them back in the bin for when it's ready for them to go. So I put, put them back in and, and everything, and I, 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 um, I can't remember if I did them right after the whites, but so whites get all done, fuzzy whites are all done and warm and nice and cozy and everything like that and, and ready to put away, and so it's time to do the fuzzy darks. So I put the fuzzy darks in, and I'm washing the fuzzy darks, and, and <laughs> I, uh, I uh, dry the fuzzy darks, and I bring them out, and I'm sorting through, and I'm folding them, and putting all the socks together, and all that kind of stuff. And I come across one of Abigail's shoes. <laughs> so what I had done is I had, as I was picking up the fuzzy darks off of the floor, there was a big pile of them, and I've got big arms. Well, I grabbed the whole pile and put my hands underneath, and I think, okay, I've got everything, and I put it into the bin. Well, it included Abigail's shoes. And so Abigail's shoes got washed through the washer. Okay, so fast forward, happy day. So fast forward to Saturday, yesterday afternoon, I'm looking for the doorstops. And I'm like, Lord, where are these doorstops? And he reminds me of this. I had just separated my fuzzy whites and my darks and put my fuzzy whites in the uh, washing machine and I put the fuzzy darks back in and I took them back to our room where we keep all of our laundry bins. And sure enough, I go back and I open up and I start pulling things out. And I'm like, there are the two doorstops <laughs> in, the, in the fuzzy darks laundry bin. I needed wisdom in that moment. And I went to the Lord and I got that wisdom. Yeah. Amen? Amen. 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 We're just blessed you did laundry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. 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 Another example of this is what I call Sunday morning toast. So 
um, I'm, I'm usually the first one up in, well, almost every morning, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Pastor Heather and Bethany and Abigail are late night people. Well, and I mean, Bethany works from like three o'clock till 9.30 almost every night of the week. So um, that, that's when she does all of her teaching for ballet. And well, Pastor Heather and Abigail just are that way. <laughs> they, they like late nights. Like a lot of things happen after I go to bed at night. <laughs> Like food appears in the kitchen and, and they do cooking and, and lots of different things and have conversations and I hear them laughing and doing stuff and anyway. So I'm the first one up in the morning. So I get up and I get myself ready uh, for church and stuff like that. And then so at 7.30 every Sunday morning, I go around and I wake up Pastor Heather and Bethany and Abigail. And I ask them uh, what they want to drink and uh, what kind of toast they want. This morning it was, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was um, <laughs> raisin toast this morning. They wanted some raisin toast that we just got. Now, if, if I just, now we keep our bread in the freezer because ironically, it actually takes us a long time to go through loaves of bread. So we keep it in the freezer. So I take it out frozen in the morning. So if I was just to take it out frozen in the morning and grab a bit of margarine and put it on there and give it to them, there's still a need there. <laughs> right? There's a need that that bread needs to turn into toast and not be frozen anymore. So, so I, yeah, I can't just go fire on it and it doesn't toast right there. Right? <laughs> um, but there is a need there the need is that that bread that's frozen needs to turn into toast so I can nicely smoothly put the margin over it so it's ready for them to eat right, right. right. okay so th th there's needs so These are some Christmas lights, red and green Christmas lights. This is an electrical cord. Now, if I, I like to put up Christmas lights every year. It looks beautiful, right? But if I just, I plug them in down here and they're a tangled mess, and so I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> right? So can everybody see those Christmas lights? The back, ones at the back, can you guys see those Christmas lights? <laughs> no, you can't see those Christmas lights. There is a need here. There is a need for these Christmas lights to be dis displayed properly, right? Yep. Without help, without that need being met, they can't be properly displayed. They can't. They can't be. They can't shine properly. Right. Yeah. right? Good. No one can see them properly, and they're all tangled up and stuff like that. So you have to untangle them. 
and you have to take time to untangle them and get <laughs> all the knots out and figure out. So then, so now. Their needs have been met, and they can shine properly. Their light can shine properly for everybody to see. Right? So, just like in us, we have those needs, and those needs need to be met so that we can shine our light properly. Amen? We need to be untangled. (laughs) we need to be sorted out and we need to be brought into order and then we need to be plugged in (laughs) we need to be plugged in amen okay so remember this Okay, as we go forth in the sermon this morning, we all have these needs, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Okay, we need to be plugged into God yeah. for those needs to be met. We need to be ordered by God. We need to be sorted out by God. We need to be untangled by God. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? Okay, now turn to Isaiah 26. How good. Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. And I'm going to read from the Amplified. Um, We've got the King James up there. That's fine, Corey. Cool. Thanks. It says, You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind both its inclination and its character is stayed on you. You is is God. Because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Verse 4. So trust in the Lord, commit yourself to him, lean on him, hope confidently in him forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock the rock of ages. He is a rock. Now in, oh, he changed it to, you are awesome, Corey. Thank you. He is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. So as I, uh, as I was reading this scripture, question kind of came up in my mind um, that the Lord put there. And he asked me, 
Neil, have you ever seen a mountain move or disappear? And I thought, no. No, I've never seen a mountain move or disappear. Have you guys ever seen a mountain move or disappear? Can anyone here say that? That I've seen that? No? So I was thinking of things that have happened around us. Some big, big um, events that happened around us. So the first one that came to mind is Mount St. Helens. So back in 1981, it was 81, Mount St. Helens is this volcanic mountain that is on the peninsula of Washington State, just below us, just, just south of us down here. It's this volcanic mountain. And uh, I can't remember the exact day, but in 1981, it erupted. Now, you would think that a volcano erupting would move a mountain, would disintegrate it. But it didn't. It didn't. If you look, Mount St. Helens is still there. Even though, I mean, it, it, there was two ways that that mountain could erupt when, when the um, lava came up from the center of the earth. It could come out the top or it could go out the side. Unfortunately, in this situation, it went out the side and created just, it, it was crazy. I was looking at some of the pictures and, and the amount, like, it, the, the ash looked like snow yeah. in Washington State. And even up in here, and, um, especially in Victoria where we were living, um, the, the ash was, just, was thick on everything and you couldn't see and, and you couldn't breathe and, and it, was, it was awful. But even though that, volca- that volcano erupted out of the side of it, you would think it would crumble the whole mountain, the rock would be gone. But it wasn't. That mountain, Mount St. Helen, is still there. Still an active volcano. You can go and look at it and see it. The other one was the Hope Slide. Now, there's a bunch of people that may not know what the Hope Slide is because it happened a very long time ago. It happened January 9th, 1965. Actually, um, it had happened somewhere between midnight and approximately 7 a.m. on that Saturday morning. Um, They estimate that 47 million cubic meters of soil and trees and, and everything like that slid off the south face of that mountain on that morning. My... Grandparents Campbell, my parents, before I was born, and my uncle Doug, they drove through on that road at 9.30 the night before that happened. Praise God. I'm here. (laughs) Amen. When I was reading about it, it said something very interesting. It said that the slide brought the south face slope to bare rock. The rock did not move. 
the entire south-facing side of that mountain moved. 47 million cubic, we have no comprehension of just how much that is. There was a lake below there uh, at the bottom of that, of that mountain, right, kind of right beside the road. The, and and the, the mass and the strength and the power of that slide completely displaced that entire lake and all of the water and everything went up against the other side of the valley and came back down. It was massive. It's the second largest slide in Canadian history, as long as they've been doing history for Canada. <laughs> the title of my sermon is God, Our Mountain. Remember? We have our needs. We need to get sorted out, untangled, plugged in. God is our mountain. I want to go through a bunch of scriptures. I want you to write them down. I'm not going to turn to them. I just I want you to see these. So the first one is Psalm 18.2. Corey, are you able to bring that one up? Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my keen and firm strength, in whom I will trust and take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. The Lord is my rock. Isaiah 26, or sorry, Isaiah 28, verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am laying in Zion for a for a foundation, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for sure foundation. He who believes, trusts in, relies on, and adheres to that stone will not be ashamed or give way or hasten away in sudden panic. Notice that it's a sure foundation. That rock, that unmovable rock is a sure foundation. That is referring to Jesus. That's a prophecy about Jesus. Jesus is our rock, is our sure foundation. Amen. Another word for sure is trusted. Amen. It's a trusted foundation. Yes, is. Jesus is our trusted foundation. We need to ask ourselves, are we trusting in him to untangle us, sort us out, bring us into order, and plug us in? <laughs> are we trusting him? Are we choosing to trust him? A lot of times in the world, to trust someone, you have to know everything about them. Every single little last detail, their history, and, and before you'll even take uh, the smallest step to trust them. You want to know in case you're going to get hurt or you're going to get blindsided, or you're going, going to get deceived, or something like that. We don't have to do that with Jesus. We know in our spirit who he is. We now need to choose to trust that sure foundation, to trust that foundation, to trust Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Luke 6, verse 48. <clears throat> He is like a man building a house. This is, just ta this is talking about a person. He is like a man building a house who dug and went down deep 
and laid a foundation upon the rock. That unmovable rock. Remember, mountains don't move. They can't move. They won't move. And when the flood arose, the torrent broke against the house and could not shake it or move it because it had been securely built or founded on a rock. Who remembers when the Portman Bridge, the new Portman Bridge that we have was being built? It was a number of years ago. And if you drove anywhere near that for a certain amount of time while they were constructing it, they were pounding these massive, massive pilings into the Fraser River. And just days upon days upon days of pounding. Funk. 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 So what they were doing was taking those pilings and they were going down through all of the, the, the silt and the gravel and the unstable ground until they hit rock. They didn't stop. They, the pilings were, were way bigger, and, or sorry, longer, I should say, than they needed to be because they needed to go down until they hit rock. And then it, it, it even makes a different noise when you hit rock. Yeah. So you'll be hitting it and it's like a dull thud as it keeps going down further into the silt and the gravel and whatever else is below the Fraser River. We don't want to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, these, just, these pile drivers are just piling them and then all of a sudden they do one more and it, it makes a completely different sound. And they know that they have hit rock that can't be moved. That piling can't be moved anymore. It can't sink anymore. It can't do anything else but stand there on the rock and not be moved. And then once they've done that for all of those pilings for the, the, the Portman Bridge, they then cut them off and level them off to where they need to be because it'll all be at different levels because the rock will be at different levels, but it's still a sure foundation that they were able to build the portman bridge on god is our sure foundation our mountain that will not be moved Mm -hmm. amen Amen. oh hallelujah hallelujah isaiah 30 29 you shall have a song as in the night when a holy feast is kept and gladness of heart as when one marches in procession with a flute to go to the temple on the mountain of the Lord, the rock of Israel. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We had a procession today, Pastor Gwen was just, uh, just saying. With flute, well, piano, bass guitar and drums and singers. To go to the temple on the mountain of the Lord. That sure foundation, that mountain that doesn't change. Doesn't change what's sure. The rock of Israel. That unchanging God of Israel. The God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Second Samuel 22, verse 32. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? 
No other gods are a rock like our God. No other gods. In, I can't even, I can't remember what book of the Bible it's in, but the Ark of the Covenant ended up in a temple of one of the Dagon. Which temple was that? Um, where the idols fell over. It's Dagon, Dagon Temple, yeah. So um, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament ended up in this, in this um, pagan um, temple, and it was the Temple of Dagon, and they had this statue. And so they put it in there, these people, and I think it was the next morning they came, they came in, and it had been knocked over, or parts of it had been knocked over. And so they put it back together. And then the next day they came in and it was completely destroyed and knocked over. Because our God is the only true God, the only true rock. Amen. He quashes other gods. Amen. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. He is our rock. Unmovable rock. Unchangeable rock. Oh, hallelujah. So what is God saying? What is he trying to say to us here? He's never changing like, just like a rock. I know I've said this a number of times that we need to get this. He is never changing. Amen. Never changing. Always the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The promises that you, that you stood upon six months ago are the same promises that you can stand on today, and they're the same promises that you can stand on six years from now. Because he is our rock. He is that firm foundation. He is that mountain that does not change, that does not move. No matter what's thrown at it. They say that there was a couple of earthquakes that happened just before this slide in the slide at the Hope slide. It still didn't move that mountain. That mountain is still there. The south face of it isn't there. But the rock Below all of that dirt and soil and trees and, what, and whatever else, the solid rock is still there. That south facing, the south face of that mountain is still there. Yes. You can still see it. Yes. He can be trusted with the needs of your life. Mm-hmm. He can be trusted with everything. Because he cares about everything in your life. A little testimony about what happened uh, yesterday afternoon besides finding the um, door stoppers. Um, So um, our goal was to get all of the Christmas stuff down in our insider house and outsider house yesterday. And we accomplished that. It was amazing. But the Lord really blessed, uh, blessed me. Um, because I had to go outside and take the lights off of the, uh, the gutters on the outside of the house. So there's half of my house that I can do with just an eight-foot A-frame, what I call the A-frame ladder, just a normal step ladder, eight feet tall, and I can do that with, um, for about half of the house. And then once I get to the front door, 
I have to switch to my telescopic ladder. It goes up to like 24 or 25 feet. And so when I, when I use that ladder, I never do it alone. I always have to have a spotter and somebody who's holding the feet, holding the ladder and watching me. Make sure I don't do something stupid while I'm up at the top of it and say, don't do that, dad. <laughs> That's silly. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't reach that far. So usually when I'm taking off the lights on this section, I have to, I can, so my wingspan is about six foot six. Okay, so when I'm up on the ladder, I can go about three feet that way, maybe four feet, and about four feet that way. Just a tiny bit. For me, four feet isn't that much, right? It's only another half, half a foot. I have another six inches. Anyway, um, <laughs> Hence why the spotter. Uh, so last year after Christmas, so in 2022 after Christmas, January 2022, I didn't get to those lights. I can't, well, a whole bunch of stuff, of stuff happened at the beginning of the year in, in our lives. And I just, I never got to the lights. So they stayed, the one, <laughs> one half of the lights stayed up from, from the, the front door down to the bottom of our house where I have to use the telescoping ladder. They stayed up the whole year. So usually when I have to do, um, when I have to take down these lights or put them up, um, I usually have to replace the ladder, reposition the ladder about 10 times because of my wingspan. Right? So I, I take down, usually it's about three, maybe four clips, and then you move it over and put it back up and readjust it. And I've got the wings on the top of it, so it is stable, like the, the stabilizing bars and stuff that, that it sits on so it doesn't sit on the gutter and all that kind of stuff. And so I go up, and so usually to go around and around the nooks and the crannies of the, of the gutters, I have to do it about ten times to get all the way to the front door and get them down before I can switch to my A-frame ladder, which is a whole lot easier because you don't have to adjust it. You can just go up another step or down another step. So we position it. <laughs> I got to put it on top of a flat ground, my sump <laughs> that we found. Another blessing. Anyways, I digress. Um, so I go up and um, I, I get it and... I, I flick it a bit to try and get the, for some, I don't know how I did this, but I got it, the last clip on really far down, and there's this massive hedge right on the corner of our house, and somehow I'd gotten it way over. I must have leaned into the hedge or possibly even stepped into the hedge. Anyways, so I, I get it off, and um, I flick it, and the now this... Uh, the entire gutter, the, the lights that are on the gutter, so I'm talking probably about 15 feet of gutter at least that's on my right-hand side here at least. I flick it, and the whole thing comes off. All of it comes all because I have a clip every two or three lights to put on the gutters. And I flick it um, just to try and get it out from on top of the, this massive hedge, and the whole thing comes off. I don't have to reposition three two more times down this, this thing of gutters. And then, so, to make this long story short, I only had to do, reposition the ladder five times instead of a full ten times. It took us half the time to get those lights down. And we started at, what was it, quarter to four, four o'clock, somewhere around there? The sun sets at about 4.30 or just a bit after 4.30 right now. And you don't want to be doing something like this in the dark. It's not a smart idea. 
So praise, he takes care of every single need that we have. It doesn't matter. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Pay attention. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. It doesn't matter what you think, how small your need is. God wants to take care of it. He takes care of us finding our doorstops. He takes care of us having to get our lights down before the sun goes down. He takes care of every single little need because he is that never-changing mountain, that rock that cannot be moved, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can trust him. We can trust him. Let's turn to Matthew 6, 25 to Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. In the Amplified it says, therefore I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. Stop it. The Bible actually says that when, and actually we're going to get to it in a minute, so hold that thought. What you shall eat or what you shall drink. Don't be perpetually uneasy, anxious, and weary about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Or about your body, what you shall put on it. Is not life greater in quality than food and the body far above and more excellent than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth so much more than them? Amen. Say this after me. I I am worth worth much more more than the birds birds of the air. To my Lord Lord. and my Savior. Savior. Amen. Amen. And who of you, verse 27, who of you, by worrying and being anxious, can add one unit of measure or cubit to his stature or to the span of his life? This is where I wanted to get to. And who of you, by worrying, remember what it said at the beginning here, perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. So who of you is doing that? Nothing good is going to happen to you. It's not going to increase your stature. You're not going to grow taller. And it's not going to increase the span of your life. In fact, it's going to shorten your life. It's going to shorten your life. 
I often say it this way, and so with one of the most challenging things for me, Pastor Neil, is when Pastor Heather, Bethany, or Abigail get sick or something happens to them. It's really difficult for me to not, I'm a man, I want to go and fix it. I want to go and help them. I want to do everything that I possibly can do to make them better. I want to know what's exactly wrong with them. <laughs> right? <laughs> Pastor Heather? <laughs> I want to know so I can fix it. So I can help them and get them better. At my very best, at my very, my peak performance of my ability to do that for Pastor Heather and Bethany and Abigail is eclipsed completely by the minimum of what God can do to heal them and help them and encourage them through whatever situation they're going to, through whatever it's work or healing or frustration or whatever it is, my peak ability to help them, where I'm firing on all cylinders, the engine is running right and it's humming really well. When I'm at that point, I pale in comparison to God's ability at his minimum ability to heal them or help them through that situation. And God never does anything minimum. God, Ephesians 3.20, abundantly, more than we could ask, think, pray, imagine, he does it that way. Abundantly, more than we could even comprehend or think or imagine or pray. He does everything that way. That's why we can take our needs and trust Him. Help Him to order us, get us untangled, and be plugged in. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And why should you be anxious about clothes? We're in verse 28 now. Consider the lilies of the field and learn thoroughly how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't do it on their own is basically what that's saying. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his magnificence, his excellence, his dignity, and his grace was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and green and tomorrow is tossed into the furnace, will he not so much more surely clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, saying, what are we going to have to eat or what are we going to have to drink or what are we going to have to wear? For the Gentiles, the heathen, wish, and for, uh, wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. 
and your heavenly Father knows well that you need them all. He knows well that you need them all. He knew that I needed to find those doorstops before I even needed to find those doorstops. And he was preparing. If I was to, now if I just sat there and like, oh, where are these doorstops and start pulling all the shoes out of the shoe rack and the bins out of our little cubby thing there and looking for these and picking up all the things that are in our laundry room there. And that's me not trusting in him, just in case you're wondering. That's me not trusting in him. But I take the moment, Lord, I trust you. You're that mountain that never changes. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Lord, for showing me where those doorstops are. And I got wisdom. They're in my laundry bin with my dirty laundry. (laughs) And the shoes. Father knows well that you need them. He knows well. He knows well. He knows well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 33. But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then, look at this. It says it right here. And then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. All. All. All of them. Your needs taken care. All of them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that mean for us? We live in the new covenant. He lives in us. Excuse me. He lives in us. We just have to spend time with him. Spend time with him. It doesn't need to look like Pastor Gwen spending time with him. It doesn't need to look like me spending time with him or Sakila spending time with him or Renata spending time with him. It needs to look like what he wants you to do to spend time with him. He knows your day. He knows your day before you even know your day. He knows the time that you have. So seek him in that time. He'll show you how to spend time with him. Jacob gave us great examples of when he goes to his trailer or whatever the thing was that he built. Sometimes God told him just to lay there for the hour or whatever. You may just have five minutes. That's great. Spend it with him. Seek him. Talk to him. Hey, God, good morning. How are you doing today? It's simple. It is simple. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis 1. And we're not going to read through this, but I want to point something out. I mean, we all know basically what Genesis 1 says. You took six days to create everything that we're standing on, right? But look at what he did. Day one, he created light. That isn't the sun and the moon. I had this thought, and I 
Anyways, it's okay. He created light. Before we could have the sun and the moon, he had to create light. Before there was no light. Now he is the light of the, the world. Then when we're ordered and untangled and plugged in, we can shine. Day two, he created the firmament. Firmament. So I was thinking about that. It says basically that he separated the waters. But he also created the atmosphere. Exactly how we needed to breathe. He knew he was going to be creating us. But he knew exactly what we needed in the atmosphere to breathe and to live. Amen? Then on day three, he created dry land and trees and all that kind of stuff. Somewhere for us to live so we didn't have to tread water all the time. <laughs> and then day four, he created the light bearers. So the sun and the moon that gives us the light during the day and the light during the night. And then day five, the fish and the birds. And then day six, animals, then man. So what do we need to see here? He took care of man's all, need, all of man's needs before he made man. Every single one of our needs were met in day one, two, three, four, five, and six. And then he made us in his image, in his likeness. He took care of our needs before he created us. Amen? Amen? I want to drive this home. He takes care of our needs. He knows our needs before even we know our needs. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. I want you to see something. Can we actually do this in um, King James? It'll be a bit shorter. <laughs> awesome. So, in Revelation 2 and the beginning of 3, Jesus is talking to the seven churches and talking about their good qualities and their bad qualities. But at the beginning, he, he describes who he is to that church. And I want you to see something here. So this is the first church. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Okay, verse 8. To the second church. Unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Okay, verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with the two edges. Okay, verse 18. 
And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. So look, it says, seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Okay, verse 7. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. He that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. You're like, that's cool, Pastor. What are you trying to show us? He was what each of one of those churches needed. Notice there was no duplication in any of those descriptions of who he was to those churches. It's just another example of him taking care of our needs. He knows exactly what we need and is that to us in his infinity, in his omnipresent in his abundant ability he is exactly what we as the individual that he made needs and just because he is some way to one person doesn't mean he has to be the same to another person he knows our needs and how to take care of them if we were to get every single person up here to come up and give a testimony of how you got born again, for however many people we have in here, we would have a different testimony. Because we are all individuals, and he knows that. He knows those individual needs that we have in our lives, the, ability, the things that we need. He knows them and is able to deal with them and help us in them in the way that we can understand, that we can comprehend, that the way that, 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 that revelation, that aha moment comes in our lives, he knows exactly how to get that. Yes. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. So why? Why is this all important to realize that he is taking care of those needs? Why is it important? Why? Matthew 28 18 to 20. No, other way. Yeah, King James. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. 
This is called the commission, the great commission. If, we're, if we trust God and understand that his needs are, sorry, our needs are taken care of, that frees us. Absolutely. We don't have to be concerned about them. Yeah. We don't have to say, just like Isaiah did, here am I, Lord, send me. So you're ready, in season and out of season, to do this very thing right here. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Acts 1, verse 8. There we go. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. That unto me means for me, witnesses of me, telling about me. This is Jesus speaking. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth and in the grocery store and in the dentist office and in the doctor's offices and at your workplaces and at where you're hanging out at the coffee shop and where you're going to get your hot chocolate and where you're going to do whatever you're going to do, you are going to be a witness there. Because you have that power from the Holy Spirit and your needs are taken care of. You don't have to be concerned about them anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're free. Yes. We're free. Yes. We don't have to be concerned about them. I heard a story about Kenneth Hagin. Um, and Pastor Jason's at the back of the, the, the um, sanctuary right now, so he can correct me if I'm wrong. But when Kenneth Hagin, when God first started to put on Kenneth Hagin's heart to build Rama Bible College, Kenneth Hagin was like, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, and so he was out standing in, in the field that the Lord showed him where it was going to happen. And, and Kenneth Hagin said to God, okay, God, you want this. You're going to have to build it. And he's like, you just tell me what to do. None of my problem here. And walked. And was obedient, but he didn't, he didn't take the care. How am I going to do this? How is this going to happen? What is it going to look like? He's like, you've got stuff for me to do right now, Lord. You can show me when this is going to happen and how it's going to happen. And when you, when you do that, I'll do it. Sure. But this is all you, Lord. I trust you. Amen. Amen. Okay. I have more scriptures, but we'll, we'll stop there. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327. Or you can write to us at